Hello and welcome. You are listening to The Future Podcast. This is where we talk about the business of design and the changing landscape of what it takes to be a design professional in the 21st century. I'm your host, Chris Doe. I'm a brand strategist, Emmy-winning director, consultant, teacher, designer, entrepreneur, and YouTube host. I've learned a few things in running a creative agency for the last 21 years in one of the most competitive markets, Los Angeles. My hope is I can make your transition into creative entrepreneurship a little easier. Sitting to my right is Noah. She's a recent graduate from the MFA program at CalArts. We're having a wonderful lunch at Tender Greens, and the conversation was so lively, I decided to invite her to come into the studio with me and talk a little bit about her experiences um, as a designer working in the industry. Now, if you haven't met Noah before, just let me describe her to you. She looks like a typical Southern Californian girl. She's got a very slight build, kind of lanky, longer than shoulder length brown hair, and she wears these brightly colored turquoise glasses. But the looks can be deceiving. Where are you from originally, Noha? Uh, I'm actually from Saudi Arabia. That is so cool. Oh, thanks. Yeah, (laughs) and why is it that your English is so perfect? Um, Well, I moved out from Saudi when I was 12, so... Uh, we moved out to London, and from that we went to we came to the U.S. So I've been in the States for about ten years now. Okay, and how many years was that before going to CalArts? Um, I'm gonna say seven years. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you're studying here, and so what made you decide to go to CalArts? Uh, I think a big part of it was I I did my undergrad on the East Coast. Uh, I did it in D.C. and Corcoran College of Art and Design and um, it was very uh, European driven it was very Swiss driven um, and I wanted something different uh, I've seen things coming out of CalArts I've seen things coming out of the West Coast and um, I think doing something at CalArts was like the extreme opposite of my undergrad studies can you describe to people who aren't familiar with CalArts what that different thing that you were saying can you put that into words for us um i would say CalArts design is very experimental it's very uh personality driven uh you put yourself in the design like all the weird parts of you would make the design better uh it's it's not built for the client even though it's gonna, that's what's going to happen after school but uh, your time at CalArts is built on the idea of exploring all aspects of yourself and your expressions of design. So there's a lot of crazy maximalist design that happens, posters all over the walls. And um, Did you say maximalist? Yes. Okay, so for people that don't know what that term is, what, what does that term mean? Um, if you see any Swiss design, it's the complete opposite of that. <laughs> So, so lots of layering. Put layers on top of layer. Textures. Textures and um, digital, handmade. Uh, mixed like media. Mixed media. Everything goes on the page. Uh, you, editing is an afterthought or editing is something that happens at, like once you reach your limit, then you go back and like edit all 
the most weird parts, the, the things that don't make sense anymore in the concept. It's kind of like you're throwing everything on the page or on the animation and then taking parts as, or as little as possible out. Right. Yeah. So more is more and not more is less more. is more. Exactly. All right. It's funny because I didn't even know that was a real term. I saw a book called Maximalist and it's sitting on my shelf over there somewhere. I'm hmm. trying to figure out where it is on the bookshelf. But now I guess it's a real term and that pretty much accurately describes everything I know about CalArts <laughs> because I've worked with a few CalArts graduates before, mostly from the MFA program, I guess. Hmm. And it's very dense, layered stuff. And one of those people when he was working for me back in the day it seemed like he came with a bag of textures that he would apply on top of everything and it didn't even matter what the subject matter was those textures were coming out <laughs> that seems about right yeah he might have made those textures himself too yeah i'm sure he made yeah. it himself but it was just part of his arsenal of design weaponry if mm -hmm. you will well let's jump into the topic that i i think we want to share with our audience which is this anxiety that you told me you're feeling, right? So you're here in the United States. You just graduated just a few months ago. You graduated. No, actually, you graduated a little before. Yeah, I graduated you, in December. In December. But you officially walked in the summer? Yes. Okay, so that's only a couple of months ago. Mm -hmm. But you were done with school for all intents and purposes. I yes. think you were out helping your fellow uh, classmates, right? <laughs> yeah, that happened okay. a few times. So you're freelancing. You're enjoying this Southern California lifestyle. You're living the dream. You're working, doing cool things with the education you got. But now you're talking about going where? Um, now I'm talking about going to Dubai. Dubai. And that is the big move. It's a big move. Mm -hmm. You're talking about going back next year, early next year? Early next year. That's the plan. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you got another six months of uh, doing work here and experiencing uh, motion design studios. You're freelancing right now, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, before I forget, because people get angry at me, where can people see your work? What's the URL? It's tinynoha.com. Can you spell that for us? T-I-N-Y-N-O-H-A.com. Perfect. And if they want to reach out to you on the social media, are you on Instagram, um, Facebook? Where, 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 where can we find you? I have my Instagram, which is tinynoha as well. And I have a Twitter that I never use. I don't. So don't hit you up on Twitter? No. <laughs> okay. All right, so on Instagram, are you doing the Snapchat thing? Yeah, for personal things. I don't do any public Instagrams. All right, cool. Mm -hmm. All right, so now you're gonna you're planning on moving to Dubai. And, and why would you do that? And tell me the anxiety that you're feeling. Um, a big part of it is it's a move for the family. Uh, I'm moving with my mom and my sister. We're moving back, and I have my two brothers and my dad back in the Middle East. So it kind of it makes sense because I finished my schooling I uh I have or like my plan is to gain as much experience as possible so it's bringing that back to where I'm from or wow so you guys are split right down the sex uh, the girls went to California <laughs> and the boys stayed home pretty much yeah that is pretty is that odd or is that just normal oh it's odd it is odd yeah. right and I also just want to quickly comment here how cool it is that your mom and your sister, basically, they all moved with you to support you in your pursuit of design. Yes. And that's a wonderful thing to have a mom that or a family that's that supportive of you. Oh, yeah. My, my mom is like one of the biggest drivers of like education and get your school, get your career going. Um, and that's why 
when I had that crazy idea of moving from DC to California, she was he- hesitant at for it at first, but it kind of like once it all happened, it happened, and she was all for it. She sounds like a very progressive modern woman. Is that an accurate description of her? I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know that much about your culture, but it's not the way it is here in America. Can mm-hmm. you describe that a little bit for our audience? Um. So Saudis and generally Arabs are um, more conservative. Uh, they're very traditional. I would say that um, for girls my age or my age bracket, uh, a lot of my friends are already married with kids. Um, it's very family oriented. Mm-hmm. And uh, are women encouraged to go out and get an education? Yes. Yes. Any kind of they can study anything, or is it it's limited to certain kinds of fields of study? Um. No. Now a lot of people my generation, I think the the generation before me, are encouraged to study anything. Uh, but it depends on the family as well, where some families are more conservative and wouldn't let uh, certain fields happen. So, and. I want to say that um, it's easier for a girl to study art than a guy in uh, that region because uh, that gender st- stereotype kind of oh, gender works stereotype. there. Yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. It's not seen as masculine to no. study design. It's too frou-frou. Kind of. Well, yeah. design is different, but anything art-related, like fine art. Yeah. Photography, maybe, mm-hmm. but design is more of the masculine feminine things you could do yes okay now when you go back you're going to enter into a totally different set of rules and customs right Mm -hmm. and tell us a little bit about that um so actually dubai is a pretty global uh international city and that's one of the reasons why um i'm deciding to go back Mm -hmm. um a lot of the people that work in the field are from all over the place uh, it's very international. Yes, okay. uh, you you would find Europeans, you would find Americans, Australians, and people from uh, even Asia and India. Even Asia. Even Asia. Everyone is, is <laughs> like everywhere. Right. <laughs> it's just like everyone comes to Dubai. It's a hub right now. Okay. And I think that's why I want to be there. Yep. Uh, because it's kind of it's the mix between the west and the east mm-hmm. in one place mm-hmm. and that's what i like about it okay uh whereas uh certain areas like i, I would say saudi would be more traditional it would, like there is a design uh community happening there but it is a lot more traditional there and than dubai okay yeah all right so what kind of anxiety do you have going home and practicing design well other than a big move into somewhere well a big part of uh, the anxiety okay let's see let me return we're gonna go back go go back go back okay the anxiety comes from the unknown mostly because even though there is design work there is motion work in dubai the system isn't set yet it's not you go there, you know that you're going to be either a freelancer or a full-time person, and there's a hold system, and then there's a, uh, the booking and the hold, and, which is like, I just figured it out, and now I'm, go- I'm going back. Uh, 
<laughs> so there may be an entirely different set of rules yes. as to how you are booked as a freelancer mm-hmm. there. Well, if you haven't seen it and you need to check it out, this probably would have helped you if I had released it earlier. We just released an episode of freelance practices, tips, and things like that. Yeah, so I, we talk I, about it. I did see oh, it. Oh, you already saw mm-hmm. it. So now you know. Uh-huh. Now you know what you already knew, pretty much. Yeah, I wish I had that in the beginning. All right, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. It's finally out. Okay, so there's a, it's still a, a developing motion design industry. Yes. And so do are there established players and companies that are the well-known versions of the, their American counterparts? Um, I think there is a few rising and um, a part of it is also there is an agency system there. So I'm not sure whether the agencies are actually doing in-house design versus studios. And when you say agency, you're talking about ad agencies, right? Yes. Okay. Because agencies now mean a lot of different things from a digital agency or some design studios like us are calling ourselves agencies mm-hmm. too. But you're talking about ad agencies, so you're not sure if there's a robust enough demand for it for there to be independent post-production design motion graphics companies. And it could just be that the ad agencies are the ones that are providing the opportunities to do cool work. Yeah, pretty much. And okay. there is a big commercial um, market mm-hmm. in Dubai mm-hmm. uh, because a lot of uh, the Gulf, any like a lot of the Middle Eastern countries are going into Dubai to produce their work. Right. So uh, it's become the hub for the Middle East yeah. in terms of setting the bar for this kind of work. Mm-hmm. Great. So you, you, how far out could it be that somebody's going to travel into Dubai to do their, their production work and the post-production work? I think since it is a c- central area, um, it's, it's not, ra- it's not hard to do. It's very, because the studios are there, uh, TV production places are there. So kind of, it makes sense. Mm. And because it is an easy, uh, the government helps, when it comes to media and production by opening up those doors to foreign countries as well or like foreign companies i'm sorry i wasn't clear yeah how far is the reach meaning how far might somebody travel to get their work done knowing that it's a bit higher quality thing because i know thailand's a little bit Mm -hmm. of a hub for southeast asia yeah and then singapore is a hub for certain kinds of things yeah and so it becomes a magnet for people within the adjacent uh, countries to come mm-hmm. uh, do, you, do you know uh, kind of geographically how far out somebody might come and like what's the reach i would say the col- the gulf countries so can you name a few uh saudi mostly saudi saudi okay. is like one of the biggest right. uh media consumer and producer mm-hmm. um and also and egypt is also another hub and saudi's in the middle between that so sometimes you would find Egyptian con- or Egyptian um, companies companies coming mm-hmm. to Dubai versus and uh, countries or companies from Dubai going to Egypt. I see. Depending on the project, depending on how things go. Oh, so it's a little bit of a competition there. Oh yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. So beside it being a new thing and a move, but you also told me that you're kind of a little bit of a nomad. Like every five years you get a little restless. <laughs> so it must mean that you look forward to these kinds of things. No? I am. I think. I don't believe you. The way you just <laughs> said that. It's once the fear, I think, uh, goes away a little bit. 
uh, I think I will be excited. Yeah. And once things become clear, because even now, okay. uh, even doing research online, things are still very unclear. You kind of just, Dubai is built on a system where not everyone's going to answer your email or your phone call. You, you might have to, I might have to walk in to certain studios and be, and give them um, a CV and my reel and be like, hey. Old school. Very old school. Yep. Yeah. That's cool though. Mm-hmm. It, that, that means that there's an opportunity for you to make an impression the old school way. Yeah. Or now they wouldn't even let you in the door. <laughs> but if that's the way business is done, you can stand out that way. Yeah. Yeah. And it is very, and it is split into the local market and then the foreign market because there are a lot of uh, European companies coming in and kind of having a remote studio there or something over uh, close by. A satellite office? Yeah, something okay, like that. I see. To service the local clients? Yes. I see. So there is opportunity. It's just hard to find. You have to mine for it. I get it. Well, for me, if I was traveling to uh, Dubai, my concern would be, is the work that we do valuable to the local uh, culture and country, right? Because mm-hmm. I hear from our fans from all over the uh, all over the world that they, they often say, like, say if you're from India, it's like they pay nothing for the work. They don't care. They don't care about your expertise, your training, your opinion. They just want you to do the work and they're going to push you down to the rock bottom prices. Mm-hmm. And so it becomes really difficult to change or swim against the tide, if you will. That does happen, especially for startups right now, um, because there is a surge of designers that studied here in the U.S. and, and Europe coming back now. Um, so you see the mentality of the client is always right, no matter what. And that's mainly because he's or like, the client is paying your bills so you can't say no um and because there is other options and other eager studios or other eager startups you could lose um your ground because you said no and is it commonplace is there an issue of culturally like you need to respect me as the client uh yes yeah Whereas in America and maybe even in some other parts of Europe, you're, the, the client expects a certain give and take, a mm-hmm. push and pull, and they want that from you. It's already part of the culture and it's been in, in part of the culture for decades. Yeah. Well, when you think about it, um, I would say like the rich of the rich in that region is expected to like have everything handed over. and So that's some kind of entitlement? I'm yes. always right because I'm that rich. Exactly. Yeah. And when a designer or an animator kind of holds back on a note or says no, uh, that can uh, lead to losing a job, Mm -hmm. which is actually something that my brother had to deal with because he is in Dubai as a designer and motion designer. Um, So when you are working one-on-one on on certain people, with certain people and certain clients, Sometimes you just got to do what they want and not argue. Right. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So that could be a little bit of a mm-hmm. challenge. I'm not advocating that you argue with the client, but I value clients that value me. Yeah. So it's reciprocated. Mm-hmm. And I like that because I don't want to be an order taker. 
that doesn't mean that I want to impose my ideas on the client even though when they're wrong because there is a business aspect that needs to be considered whether or not what you say or do is going to impact them in the negative or the positive way mm-hmm. so I, I get that yeah and a also there's there's a system there's also the TV system there which is very prominent and um, I think that comes to a lot of bureaucracy and all of that, which kind of, so when you're not dealing with a client per se, you're dealing with, I'd say like 12 people on top of you that needs to say yes for a project. Ooh. Yeah. So a lot of hierarchy. Yes. Middlemen. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's, I, okay, so <laughs> I, have to, I have to ask you this question. Yeah. Why are you leaving? <laughs> Wait, are you allowed to drive? Oh, in Dubai, yes. You are, okay. Yes. But, okay, sorry. That was distracting. (laughs) So why are you leaving? Um, I think... You're not really selling me on this idea. Okay. Not that you are trying to convince me. I think there is room to change things there. There is room to make things better for the design community. Um, there is a lot more appreciation for design now, I think, with the new graduates, with the like this surge of um, designers that are coming back. Or are right now there is um, a project that I think was just finished in Dubai. Uh, they built a whole neighborhood neighborhood for design called D3, I think Dubai Design District. So they are attracting uh, companies from all over the world to have a hub there. So I think with that, the work and um, will become better. Competition will become even more fierce, which creates better work in return. Um, Expectations are gonna be more, I think. And also, um, and yeah, appreciation for design is growing too. Okay. Yeah. I wonder if this is true because when we are trying to establish relationships with Chinese companies, companies in Asia, there is this idea that an American or European company is going to be held in higher esteem than local companies. That if I've won an award or worked with somebody famous, that that seems to matter more than the actual body of work itself. It's like the whole old school validation system. Mm -hmm. Is that true, you think? I'd say, I say uh, yes. Yeah? Yeah, I would say that's partly true. Partly true. Um, for the old school uh, media, I would say that is very true. For TV commercials and, uh, and like print work and all of that, I would say yes for, and even for... Um, like why wouldn't it be word. true if it's true there? Why wouldn't it be true all the way through? Um, because right now there's also another with YouTube, there's a huge surge of new media, and it's people run and it's run by a younger generation that is willing to give people the chance. I think, or like they're willing to bet bet on a new designer or, or a newcomer to just see if they're good enough. And if they are, then they're just going to get more work from them. So are you saying that the younger generation generation is more risk tolerant? Uh, yes. So they're willing to try mm-hmm. new things. 
Yeah. Okay. But if something really important were on the line, would they be as risk tolerant? Probably like, not. Right. Yeah. So on smaller bite-sized gigs where mm-hmm. it's like, hey, it don't work out, we can figure something out. But if you can design a building, you're going to hire a famous Europe, uh, European or internationally known architect, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And that logic probably applies across the board. That mm-hmm. for the cream of the crop, the highest budget jobs, they're going to look towards an international company that probably has a satellite office there. Yeah. Okay. Because I met some architects here in Santa Monica, very successful. They have a lot of their new clients or new work as part of the Middle East. Mm-hmm. That's So they have a beachhead set up there. They're communicating that way and running their satellite office. But they want the name brand. That's a big part of it. It's the name yeah. brand. Okay. So if I were you and I was trying to figure out how I'm going to re-enter the market and, and make an impact and have people come to me versus me chasing down leads, mm-hmm. would my logic be correct that you'd want to stay in the States, win, win some kind of giant <laughs> award, work with some really well-known brands, international brands, say Coca-Cola, Nike, Apple, Microsoft, something like that, mm-hmm. and then come back. It's like, you know, I'm the man. This is, you know, you, know, you <laughs> prove yourself to me, not the other way around. Would, I, would my logic be correct there or no? Yes. In a perfect world. That is what I would do, right. I think. And that is why I am trying very hard right now to uh, work at studios in L.A., getting as much experience as possible, seeing how different things work and how like how different studios work because every, everyone's different. And um, I think, yeah, getting as much work to show as possible because even saying that I graduated from the States, um, I have an MFA, I worked in the States, that that will give me points back there. But yeah, who knows? In six months, I might get that one big job. You never know. <laughs> the thing to hang your hat on uh-huh. and you're looking for that. That's good. I mean, that, um, that might affect some of the decisions you're making as to where you freelance and what projects you work on, knowing that you have this limited timetable. Mm-hmm kind of unrelated but i was watching something on facebook and gary v uh, gary vaynerchuk was driving around his limo or whatever and somebody says gary best piece of advice three words right so he's like okay (laughs) you will die (laughs) she's like what you will die i don't know any greater motivation than the fact that you know you have limited time on earth so now i'm going to dovetail that back Mm -hmm. into your conversation now you have six months to live in la (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> not to live just to live in LA you're still a very young person and healthy so maybe that will then impact some of the decisions you make you might try to do something wild or whatever you you wouldn't conduct yourself I don't think like any other freelancer who just graduated from school mm-hmm. um I think I am more uh I'd say I, I'm reaching out to more studios than I think I would have because there's always that there's like the high caliber ones that everyone want, want to work with. And then we won't and, name any names. Yeah. But y- y- you know who, who I'm talking about. I know it's, what you're talking about. It's kind of like there you're talking is about the me. list. So stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know exactly who you're talking about. So there's like the, the top list, which I think. Just ask me already, will you? Gosh, so Chris. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. So I think that I'm bugging them a lot more by email. Right. Than I would if I knew that I have five years to work here. Right. Yeah. So you're operating on finite time and it, hopefully it kind of helps you uh, have the proper lens and w- what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. What else are you anxious about? What else? Um, 
See, the thing is, over there, yeah, I'm still not sure if it's the right move as a studio or an agency. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like it works the same way as over here. But it's, I don't know if it's, it's a security thing or it's a financial thing, which is a big part of it, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, your parents are not going to throw you out of the house if you, you don't find your way right away, right? <laughs> that doesn't sound like the culture that you're talking no. about. No. Right. It's a tight-knit family. Mm-hmm. You guys support each other. And I think they're going to see you through thick and thin. Yeah, I'm not worried about so that. That's nice. I mean, some people don't have that luxury. Yeah. It's, they don't have the luxury of having supportive and understanding parents. And this goes beyond understanding. This is really kind of empowering and encouraging. Mm-hmm. And to know that, and that allows you to make riskier decisions to really pursue your heart and fulfill your dreams and i I think that's amazing yeah i think like doing certain things like even moving to california to to do my grad school i wouldn't have done that if my family weren't who they were Mm -hmm. especially that i moved on my own first which is something that doesn't happen uh in my culture as easily right let me ask you another question, mm-hmm. just because I'm kind of ignorant, all right? Um, as a woman, will you command the same kind of respect that your brother would in the exact same position? No. So why are you leaving? Well, <laughs> it doesn't okay. make sense to me. No is the short answer. Okay. Then there's an asterisk. Yes. Okay. Um, yes, if I am forceful, if I stand my ground. Assertive. Yes. and You act like a man then. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And I think, yeah, that might be a little bit of a a hurdle Mm -hmm. uh, to go forward. But I think once you are at that point, people respect you no matter what. Okay. So you probably already have a huge leg up on somebody with similar experience and the same gender who never left the area. Because mm-hmm. you're you've been exposed to the American culture, <laughs> so you're more fiercely independent, right? Which yeah. you are. I can attest to that, guys. If you don't know Noah, and you already speak a different way, your English is going to be better, mm-hmm. and they can put you in front of different clients, both local. Because you speak Arabic, yes, and any other languages? Just Arabic and English. Okay, Arabic mm-hmm. and English. So you're you're bilingual. Yeah. Does everybody study English over there? Um. Yeah, right yeah. now everyone studies English. Okay, so it's an international language and mm-hmm. people speak it. Okay, but you have a greater command of the language. You're independent. You're confident. And so you're going to be able to slay those girls there. I right? hope so. I think so. <laughs> and, and you went to this prestigious school in the United States mm-hmm. that's known for maximalist design. <laughs> Is that congruent with the design culture at home? Uh, Not really. I didn't think so. No. I asked, but... You it's know. Ab- well, yeah, I did it because I knew it was exactly the opposite of who I am yeah. and who oh, okay. I would uh, or what I would do outside of school. Right. So I like that you have that level of self-awareness and that you have the courage to basically get out of your comfort zone. <laughs> you said it was the opposite also of the undergrad education that yeah. you got. So you're looking for that polarity and the balance and basically, hopefully... You're able to swing the pendulum from one side of the Swiss modern design to the complete opposite of that in mm-hmm. maximalist design. Yeah, Deconstructed, layered, expressive typography, that kind of stuff. It's pretty fun going both ways. It's kind okay. of whatever needs to be done, it's going to happen. You're talking about design. Yeah. Fun going both ways. Yeah. just want to clarify for our audience. <laughs> She's a very conservative girl. All right. 
what do you think is more you if you're talking about the two sides of the pendulum mm-hmm. oh that are is you a by good nature question. like that swiss modern like less is more or no you know what hear me roar this is what i do 35 layers that's 35 layers too few and you got to keep adding more <laughs> it depends on the day okay um i'm more comfortable with the more layers now than i was before but i think it it's all about knowing when to stop i think okay yeah and just so i want to say i'm like somewhere in between but you sound like you're 60 40 on the side of like swiss modern and just being more comfortable with mm-hmm. layering and and celebrating textures and finding other kinds of meaning within the image yeah 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 i think the concept drives everything okay yeah that's cool all right so i'm gonna ask you a question and i don't want you to overthink it i don't want you to be politically correct i'm gonna spring it on you this is not rehearsed okay mm-hmm. you ready mm-hmm. i just need you to speak truth to me and if you don't like it we can edit it out later but i hope that doesn't happen I want you to look back. I want you to tell me the highlights and the lowlights of your time at CalArts. So uh, look, start with the good. Start with the positive. Okay. And give me some of both. Um, highlights. I made some really good friends. Um, I think it took me completely out of my comfort zone. I think my first semester there, I totally bombed it. Did you uh, cry? Oh, yeah. We have our crying corner. Did I show you the crying corner? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody cries at CalArts. Yes. At our center, if you, if you cry, it's like you get expelled. <laughs> it's a part of the process. <laughs> what is it? Is it because one person cries? It's just like, okay, it's safe. Everybody can cry. Nobody's going to judge me. Or is it the intent of the instructor, the program, and the assignment to really break you down so that you are emotionally so vulnerable and bare? I would say the second part. Yeah. Because. Yikes. Yeah. So it's institutional, this idea. I think a part of like breaking you down to bring you back up is a part of who you are as a designer at CalArts. Wow. It's like design boot camp. Yeah. Holy especially cow. for the MFAs. Yeah. Okay. So there's a crying corner, a designated corner you go to cry in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> are there tissues at least in that corner? My God. Oh my gosh. Actually, we had a um, crying club at the end. At Literally a, a crying yes. club? <laughs> It's like <laughs> calarch.com or org slash crying club. <laughs> uh, do you pay membership for this? How do you get into the crying club? You just show up and get your your tissues and we'll cry together. <laughs> what are the meetings like? Like, okay, who wronged you today? Like, what did, what did he say? Yeah. What did that bastard say? <laughs> Tell me. Oh, yeah, I was there. I was there. He's yeah, just yeah. like, you have to rant through everything. Yeah. And then you get it out of your system. Go back to work. And does everybody else cry with you? Um, yeah, you, yeah. you could. Mm-hmm. Really? It's a group cry? There, there is a couple of group cries. All right. Now, Not, yeah. I might sound sexist, but were there boys in this group? Yes. But you had to think about it for a sec. So there are not a lot of boys in this group. Not that many, no. Mostly girls? Mm-hmm. All right. But the program is mostly girls, too. That's true. So mm-hmm. it's just reflective of the student body. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Was there a teacher in particular that was just infamous for starting the uh, the tear ducts going? <laughs> Let's see. Hmm. You're like, which one? Let me think <laughs> about which one. It's not that there was one. It's just. I think it's just the accumulation of everything. 
Now you're being politically correct. Okay. There is one. Okay. I there always is one. Trust me. Um, yeah. Now don't say that person's name. Just say that person's name rhymes with. It'll be pretty I funny. He knows though. No, but I don't. I don't <laughs> want it to be mean spirited like that. Okay. I will say. And it's funnier when you rhyme it. Uh. First and last name rhyme it. Chad. Chad what? First and last name. Come on, rhyme it. <laughs> Pucker. <laughs> That's not a funny rhyme. <laughs> I'm trying. If you said Blad, Blad Charker, and then, then we would know. <laughs> All right, say say that name one. I know who you're talking about, but uh -huh. say say that name. Go ahead. Um. You said Chad Parker. Chad Parker. Now do the funnier version of that. What did I say? I don't know. You could say Mad Darker or something. That's uh, how you're supposed to do that. You know, not like a real name. Uh, Fad Ducker. <laughs> It should be Bad Ducker. Bad Ducker. <laughs> All right. I know exactly who you're talking about. Best teacher, though, that I've ever had at school. Really? Yeah. It's usually that way, isn't it? Mm hmm Okay. Pushes you to the limit. Oh, yeah. But there's a reward for it. Exactly. All right. I can't say that I have the same claim. <laughs> I, I just push you to the limit and there's no reward. Like, what did I learn from that jerk? What a jerk. He just doesn't like anything. He just goes sob. You know what? We do have a crying corner at our center. It's called the bathroom. Oh. So I never know. Some people are like, you know, that class, you know, ex Cindy was in the bathroom crying after your crit. I'm like, really? I don't know. I, didn't, I couldn't see her. It's just, she's strong. Yeah. She came back with a game face on. So see, yeah, that's that's the skill. When you like, you're done. You're done. Wait, what does that mean? When you're done crying and oh, you're you like let letting it out, out let and it then out. you like go back. And you got to get the work done. Yes. You're a soldier. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Yep. <laughs> okay. So those are the highlights. Highlights. Some of them sounded like lowlights to me, but okay. <laughs> now give me some little lowlights. Lowlights. Yeah. I want to say. Oh, another highlight was having my our own studios. That is awesome. Yeah. I have to say, that was pretty cool. Yeah. But MFA programs have your own studio. Mm -hmm. I think it's just part of the the manual of like MFA programs. Yeah. But even the BFAs have their spot too. Really? Yeah. All right. Now I'm a little jealous. It's a little smaller, but still pretty awesome. And do people stay there all the time? Yeah. Going to the low lights, sleeping under my desk. Okay. <laughs> that was a low light. Was that a low light? Um, you probably made it really comfy underneath your desk then. Oh, yeah. At a certain point, it's just like you have yeah. your You got like a your futon setup. right under there, <laughs> your, your your pillow and your little blankie. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Okay. What else? Um, what else? Oh, okay, okay. Okay. Hold on. Before you tell me number two. Yes. I just want to point it out to some of you guys that are listening. Maybe you're the parent of a creative child or you're thinking about going into this field of design it's not all perfume and roses you guys it's a <laughs> lot of work it a ton of work mm -hmm. and people don't realize that it's not just running around oh i feel like painting this swatch boom i'm done it's a lot of grinding through the process understanding your own process and solving the the brief and the assignment and it, you can't just turn it on and off it doesn't work like that it's not like a spigot you pull it open and creativity flows mm -hmm. and when you're done and you want to go party you just turn it off Sometimes you open it and nothing comes out <laughs> and you start to question your own self-worth, your ability to do anything. Probably a lot of the wet work start happening 
due to those kinds of moments, right? Yeah, pretty. It's it's the creative block. It's yeah. It's the moment where why can't I fix this? Okay, so then this gets into a, a different topic, and I hope I'm able to kind of bring the thread back to this. But why isn't it that design schools don't spend enough time teaching or helping you form your own creative process? It's almost like I'm gonna give you an assignment, and you're gonna torture yourself. Hopefully by the time you're done with school, you'll have a clue as to what your process looks like. Because I'm mm -hmm. a big believer in process. Yeah. What we want to do to minimize the stress of creating creative work on demand, so to speak, mm -hmm. is to formalize your process. See, I think it's the, it's the fear of the formula. Is that a CalArts thing? No, but I want to say that if you put a formula down, you might... Um, you feel less special? What do you mean? You might put a cap on the creative process. So if you have a formula for every single, or like every single student have to follow the same formula, then there's a cap for certain people. So each person is supposed to find out their own process and like stumble and cry and fall on their knee or like fall down right. and then pick themselves up. Right. Mm -hmm. So from your point of view, creativity needs to be a painful process of self-discovery and you're going to get lots of bumps and bruises on the way out. I think in the beginning, yes, but... Did you find your process? I believe so, yes. So you find your own formula? I found my system. Okay, why don't you like the word formula? <laughs> I don't think I'm scared of the... I like the word, the word formula. Oh, you're just not ready to say it's a formula, you just found a system. Yeah. So another two steps and you'd be at the formula. Mm-hmm being able to create things consistently on a high level on demand. Yeah. And I think it's okay. like, it needs to be still pretty open. Yeah. Um, it, it should be like some, it's a, it's a flexible system. It shouldn't hinder you um, in the process. Have you ever had to teach or explain to somebody your formula? No. Okay. That's how you know you really have one. Or yeah. Not. Because I think there are some really great, um, world-beating designers out there who have a process and they stay in that process but it's a torturous thing they just mm -hmm. know okay I have to get my coffee and then I know I need to grind this out for as many hours as possible and then I'm gonna watch this show and then it'll hopefully come to me yeah right and there's some really brilliant people out there that work in the film um, design world motion design world that have some complicated torturous process and that nobody can share with them because they haven't been able to I don't know if it's a level of self-awareness or be able to document or codify it in a certain way. Mm. So I have to ask you this. We didn't, I didn't really want to talk about myself, but I have you to thank for bringing me into CalArts because you reached out and said, you know, we, we have visiting professors mm -hmm. and you brought me in and we did a three-day thing, I think. Yeah. Um, and I tried to share with you in my very super analytical, anal retentive way, creative strategies and formulas for creating concepts. So how did you as this... MFA CalArts maximalist design person who doesn't love formulas mm -hmm. per se. How did you feel about that process? Honestly, at that point, it was, I want to say mid spring semester when you came in. That was actually a, a breath of fresh air because at that point we were in the midst of that torturous, I need to finish my thesis, everything is going wrong, I need to like have all these um 
conceptual ideas behind every single move and having kind of a step-by-step guide or something like that was actually helpful. So I like having both sides of the kind of formula and not formula. Maybe it could be a thing where a handful of teachers, like say three or four, show you and share with you their process, their formula, if you Mm -hmm. will. And then you can understand each one, pick and choose what you like, what works for you, and mash them together to make your own version and then to build on top of that. Yeah, I think that's a good plan. That's a good plan, right? I don't want to say that's more for the undergrad level because you're expected to have your own system by the time you're an MFA. But that doesn't But expectations that and reality don't line up. That is very true. I have to say, you know, I am totally appreciative of the education that I got. But this kind of stuff wasn't talked about at all. And so that's why I feel like one of my jobs now that I'm two decades into running a a design studio is to look back, kind of be reflective and introspective Mm -hmm. and think about my own design education, my own journey, my own path. And having taught for 15 some odd years is to try to see if I can take away some of the pain. Yeah. The pain of being a creative person dealing with business people. Mm -hmm. The pain of just producing creative stuff on demand that's that's really hard yeah and i i don't know if it's what the skill that i possess is rare or unique or anything but i feel like i have this ability to look inward and say oh i know exactly what i'm thinking and why i made those decisions Mm -hmm. and i try as much as possible to share that now when i go into a class and i share the process and i said you know there are only six or seven different types of movies that are made mm-hmm. and there are only four different types of movie titles that are made it makes people angry they get angry at me and i'm talking about going to art center and teaching yeah. this stuff and their initial reaction is it can't be that simple you're wrong there's got to be other things and i prefer to believe it's this magical spiritual process and i tap into <laughs> the ether if you believe in god and you know it's god's work and i'm just a vessel or if you're more agnostic you know or atheist it's just a chemical neuro something that's working on on like a neural level yeah but you just don't know and i said you know er we accept formulas and everything and so here's my argument did i have this with you in class about cooking no okay okay all right so we we kind of do we think of chefs like at the highest level as artists or are they artisans or they just train tradespeople what's your thought on that i would say artists for sure you think they're artists at the highest level like a let's say a gordon ramsay just so i can yeah. pull a name or a mario <laughs> batali mm-hmm. they're artists okay so they make works of art that you can actually eat so it's edible art mm-hmm. okay now you do realize when they open a restaurant that they have sous chefs and all bunch of helpers <laughs> making the pieces of art mm-hmm. they're actually not creating the thing anymore yeah they're, they might be in the restaurant even sometimes. And if they are, they might be on the line expediting or just, just making sure from time to time things are okay. Yeah. So then if they're <laughs> artists, how is it that a bunch of, you know, varying skill level people without any formal education can do what they do? So hmm. now I want you to think about that. Okay. It's because actually there's a recipe. There's a very clearly identified process of what you do when, how you do it for how long, and it needs to fit within a certain zone. Mm -hmm. Too salty, too sweet, they know how to adjust. So there are decisions being made 
but there's definitely a formula. Yeah. And it's so formulaic, it's called a recipe, and they're written in, uh, into books and taught on video and demonstrated in c- cooking classes. Mm-hmm. So here's my thing. I think the more, and I may get into trouble for saying this, but the more we think we're unique, special unicorn leprechauns, right? The more that we cherish a, some kind of ambiguous process, yeah. the more we, we want to believe it's magical, spiritual <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Like we, we poop ice cream cones of rainbow, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I am just really pragmatic in that I think when we think that, it's just because we're not aware of our process and nobody has taken the time to show us something. Right? There, yeah. there wasn't a Mara Batali to sit down or a Morimoto to sit down and say, look, this thing looks like this. I'm going to show you how to slice the cucumber. I'm going to show you how to prep this. And the fishmonger's got to give you the best cut. And you do this, this, and that. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, it's like, I can do this too. Yeah. So it's one of those beliefs that I think we hold somewhere deep down inside that we don't want to be seen as everybody else, that what we do is so special that it, we don't want to learn it that way. Mm-hmm. We want to fight through the process and be the tortured artist that somehow is worn as a, a badge of courage, badge of honor. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like you said, low lights, I slept under a table. But it's one of those <laughs> things where if you went to an MFA program at Caldex and you didn't sleep under a table, we'd say, mm, yeah, you kind of really didn't try, mm-hmm. now, did you? <laughs> right? Yeah, that's and true. And I used to believe that. It used to be like, man, how many all-nighters did you do, man? <laughs> oh, you didn't do any? I can't talk to you. Uh-huh. But if somebody's like, you know, what do you mean how many times? When have I not done an all-nighter? You're like, ooh, that guy's serious. That girl's... Mm-hmm. Mm. Right? Yeah. So... What, what I'm saying is perhaps we just need to take a moment and re-examine this whole idea of what it means to be creative. And I, I have very strong opinions about this, but I'm not going to drag us into that world because I know the internet haters are going to come out in full <laughs> force with pitchforks and just try to like slay me. And I get that. Give me another low light. Another low light. Give me one more. Let's see. Hmm. I Come on, there's got to be more. I'm thinking. Drama? Actually, oh, our group, not too much drama. Okay. We had that going for us. How about a crazy teacher? Crazy teacher. brought the drama but didn't actually teach you anything. Mm. Not like Mad Pucker. (laughs) We had, I think, one new teacher. No, it's an unproven teacher. Yeah. Like, yeah, he never taught before. So we were kind of sort of the guinea pigs. Never ever? Mm Mm-mm. Why would they do that to you guys? That's the thing, because we are, like, the motion program was so new. Um, And it's ending. And it's ending. That was (laughs) short-lived. I know. (laughs) Brand new, see ya. And it's done. I feel like we kind of were an experiment. Um, which could go both ways because in some ways we controlled certain things. We were able to steer things to where we want them to be. And then in other points, like the ship was going and we had no idea where it was heading. Okay. Yeah. So flexible, Mm -hmm. but also a little unnerving not knowing. Yes. Okay. I think that's a fair low light. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm not here to dig dirt, so <laughs> I don't know. You're not one to sling dirt, so that's fine. Why don't we end it on that? So I want to just thank you for 
taking out time on a Friday, lovely day today to come by and meet with me and catch up and it's lovely. And hopefully maybe we'll have a couple more conversations before the six month is up. Sure. All right. <laughs> so maybe you can say, I, I don't mean to do this because if this is like super cheesy for you, which we'll send it there. But maybe you can say goodbye, hello, or say something encouraging to people that are listening from parts of the world where they are a little discouraged that opportunities aren't for them. Mm-hmm. That seeing and hearing from um, somebody uh, that shares the same culture and the language, maybe you can say something in Arabic for us. Could you say, maybe mm. introduce your name, say something? I won't know what you say, and then you'll tell me afterwards. Can you do that, or is okay. that too weird? No, I can do it. All right, I'd love that. Okay, right. so go ahead, say your bit. Um, كيفكم؟ أنا نوها خشوكجي. أنا ديزاينر وانيميتر في لوس أنجلوس دحين. درست في دي سي وتخرجت في وكمان لوس أنجلوس. بس أبغى أقول لكم إنه إذا تبغوا تسووا حاجة سووها. لا تخافوا من أي شيء. Make or like, what do I want to say? So you got a little <laughs> bit more? Tra- I'm trying to you translate it from English to Arabic. Oh, you've been here that long now. Yes. Oh my God, you're thinking in English. <laughs> yeah. How dare you? Just hmm. like, so what do you want? I guess that's all okay. I want to say. All right. Uh-huh. Thank you so much. That sounded beautiful. Now, I don't speak any Arabic. <laughs> so I heard designer, animator, <laughs> Los Angeles. And and yes. <laughs> so now for the English speaking audience, to give us you don't have to do it word for word, but mm-hmm. just tell us what you said. Um, so I introduced myself, uh, and then so I just introduce yourself. Oh, go ahead. Uh, hi, I'm Noha Kishiugi. Uh, I'm a designer and animator who graduated in DC and got an MFA in Los Angeles. Now working. Um, and I wanted to say to anyone in the world, just do what you want to do. Don't let anyone say no. Um, and just strive forward. I like that. <laughs> that was beautiful. Yay! Yay! You did a great job. <laughs> you okay with that? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> no, you want to do it again? No, I'm good. You I good? Know I'm, say- I'm saying um a lot, and I'm trying. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> That's totally okay. Okay. We're just having a conversation. Well, thanks once again for coming by the studio. Thank you. All right. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in and listening to us and spending a part of your day with me. Really appreciate it. And I want to talk a little bit about how we're able to do this. So the future is made possible by some of our lovely sponsors and partners, one of which is Pond5.com. If you guys need to get some stock footage, After Effects presets, Pond5 is the place to go. And the future is also made possible by Matthew Encina, Greg Gunn, Scott Rothstein, Nicole Wasserman, and the entire blind staff, which I would not be able to do fun stuff like this and spend the day with you without their support because they run the business for me. The man behind the scene, the man with the plan, Aaron Zakelli. He's responsible for recording this, engineering it, doing the sound design, the editing. He pretty much makes this podcast possible. You can find him online as well. And of course, I have to thank Adam Sanborn, the person who composed and wrote the piece of music that you're listening to. You can find him at adamsanborn.com. <laughs>